former U.S. Army paratrooper, historian, and conspiracy analyst, Tony Arterburn, joined by top researchers and guests, exploring the depths of our hidden history, expose the crimes and cover-ups that plague our civilization and planet, and patrol the borders of our reality. 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 From the parapolitical to the paranormal in the psychological war for your body, soul, and mind. Be a paratruther. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Paratruther. I'm Tony Arterburn. I'm broadcasting, actually recording from beautiful Branson, Missouri. I've got both of my in-studio co-hosts and co-pilots. Uh, Beans the Brave is here, and of course, uh, Charlie the Chocolate Labrador. And I need them both for this subject matter. I, I want to go back and tell a story before I introduce my other co-hosts that are joining me via StreamYard. When I got out of the military, I went and uh, I joined, or I applied to uh, become a student at the University of Dallas, which is a prestigious school. I was so thankful they let me in. And um, it's a private Catholic university. They, they were started by priests and nuns that were kicked out of uh, Hungary uh, during the 1956 uprising was put down by the Soviet Union and Khrushchev. So uh, these are pro-American, pro-freedom people. And they also study the great books and and they had a great history department. So uh, I only spent about a year and a half there. I was running a business at the time. And, you know, it was a little bit long in the tooth for, I felt like it was anyway. It was, you know, 18 and 19 year old kids. And I'd been through three foreign wars. I just didn't feel like I fit in, but I loved the classes. And I wrote a paper on uh, the, the psychological impacts of war. And one of the things that I always thought was really interesting was the the cost of life of World War One compared to the cost of life that of the 1918-1919 so-called Spanish flu. And I thought, well, we really don't ever talk about the Spanish flu. And it wiped out, what, three to four times as many people as World War One. We always talk about World War One because war has this massive psychological impact on us natural disasters don't really touch what war does because it's it's a self-inflicted wound and so on and so forth well fast forward so many years of my own personal education we come to uh the phase one of the great reset if that's what you want to call it the opening round of 2020 you get covid 1984 i had been talking about vaccines and and uh, bioweapons for years before that but this is what really kicked off my education and then I come across some research about the origins of the Spanish flu, and it really turned that history on its head for me, because really, the, and what we're going to talk about, the, there's theories, folks. These are just theories, right? But I think there's a well-balanced research and journalism that goes into you. I want you to think for yourself, but there's something wrong with the origin of the so-called Spanish flu. And, and the reason that I started this opening that way to talk about World War One, it's an extension of it, right? They're not really two separate things. And I think um, there's enough evidence to support that statement. And I'm going to jump right into the show. We've got, uh, because we need his brain, 
for the show. We've got we've got Mr. Anderson. I didn't uh, log into YouTube to have pull up the clip of of Agent Smith saying Thank your you. name. But I do know for a fact you can tell the audience. I mean, you're not showing your face, but I do know that your passport expires on September 11th, 2001. That is true, right, Mr. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so he is he's back. We've got Mr. <laughs> Anderson's brain. Uh, researcher without peer, uh, Chris Graves. Uh, welcome back. We appreciate you being here, Chris. Thank you, sir. It's As in we, honor. I mean me and my dogs and and the, whoever's downloading the show. That's right. I appreciate it. It's, a, it's an honor. Well, um, this is the way I wanted to run the show. So the, the article that I originally came across on the Spanish flu and the origins uh, of it were on lourockwell.com. Chris has been so kind to send me, I mean, literally, I don't think my inbox emails can hold it. There's so many links and, and backups to what happened to not the 1918 flu. Chris has done a great job. We're going to go over some of his links as well. But what I've done is I pulled up just two on the screen here. And I'm going to go over one. I'll put these in the show notes for anybody who wants to dig a little. I'm not going to read these. These are essays. I'm not going to read them in their entirety. I picked out some things. And what we're going to do is have a just discussion across with the panel as I go through. I think that's the best way to tackle this type of stuff. But this is the, the article that I wanted to go over. Um, actually, this is the one of the the um, one of the articles that's associated with it. I wanted to put on the screen. This is the first of the 1918 Rockefeller U.S. Army worldwide pandemic. That's by Larry Romanoff, which is a great article. But the one I chose to go over was, did a vaccine experiment on U.S. soldiers cause the Spanish flu? This was published on March 30th, 2020. So 17 days after Trump signed the executive order uh, to put Anthony Fauci in charge of the country um, for the rest of his presidency. And this one really has a lot more highlights and things. I'm going to put both of those articles in the links and then whatever uh, the panel and uh, whatever we go over, we can also put in there as well. Um, but this is a, a good one to start with this is again, lourockwell.com. Kevin Barry put this out. This is the article that I came across in 2020 uh, doing research for my daily radio show. And I never actually went over the whole article, but I thought it was, I was just groundbreaking stuff. And it's not like just the rantings of someone who suspects there's tons of source material here. And uh, Tony, one, qu one question. Why are you allowing Bert's gold page to be an advertiser for this podcast? Well, if you look at lourockwell.com, <laughs> Bert's gold page comes up. And that's a great question, Mr. Anderson. Uh, it, and, of course, I will tell the audience where they can buy uh, physical gold and silver. But Bert's gold page, is uh, it's a archive of uh, a gentleman who would uh, put his articles up here for Lou Rockwell. And I don't think he's, I don't think he's alive anymore. So. Uh, we'll just we'll just let Bert's gold page be right up there. Serious answer to an unserious question. Thank you. <laughs> Some good Donald Jeffries articles on uh, Lou Rockwall as well. Yes, and Gary Gary D Barnett um, uh, and, and among others. Uh, okay, we'll have to uh, we'll have to come back and examine Bert's gold pages another time. We get this article. This is a did a vaccine experiment on U.S. soldiers caused the Spanish flu is by Kevin Barry. Again, came out on March 30th, 2020. 
The so-called Spanish influenza epidemic of 1918 and the Rockefeller's Institute crude bacterial meningitis vaccination experiment on U.S. troops. And says the 1918-1919 bacterial vaccine experiment may have killed 50 to 100 million people. And I love this quote. I didn't ever know where it had came from, but it's the first casualty of war is the truth. And that comes from U.S. Senator Hiram Johnson uh, from 1918. I didn't know that. That's where it originated from. And these are all in quotations. We'll go through the article here. the, The question is whether we have vaccine experiments performed on fully functioning adults and on children who are potentially contributors to society to perform initial studies in children and adults and soldiers who are human in form, but not in social potential. This is from Dr. Stanley Plotkin, virologist who spent years working at the Children's Hospital at Philadelphia and the University of Pennsylvania, associate of Paul Offit, credited with inventing the rubella vaccine and advisor of pharmaceutical corporations. If you get that quote, it says the question, I'm going to read it again. The question is whether we are to have a vaccine experiments performed on fully functioning adults and on children who are potentially contributors to society or perform initial studies in children and adults and soldiers who are human in form, but not in social potential. (laughs) People that they consider garbage. That's a a nice way of saying expendable people. Yes. During the war years, again, this is another quotation from the study during the war years 1918-1919 the u.s army ballooned to six million men with two million men being sent overseas the rockefeller institute for medical research took advantage of this new pool of human guinea pigs to conduct vaccine experiments the american rockefeller institute for medical research and its experimental bacterial meningococcal vaccine may have killed 50 to 100 million people in 1918-1919 and it's a far less, this, <laughs> I love this, and it's a far less effective slogan than overly simplistic vaccines save lives. The crude vaccine used in Fort Riley in the Fort Riley experiment on soldiers was made in horses. Okay. Think about that. It was cultured in horses. Uh, according to a 2008 National Institute of Health paper, bacterial pneumonia was the killer in a minimum of 92.7% of the pandemic autopsies reviewed and i want to say and we're going to get to that i, th- I want to say it was like nine thousand autopsies that they conducted and uh, that was the percentage uh, another quote clean water sanitation flushing toilets refrigerated foods and healthy diets have done and still do far more to protect humanity from infectious diseases than any other vaccine program yeah yeah in 1918 the vaccine industry experimented on soldiers with disastrous re- disastrous results but in 2018 the vaccine industry experiments on infants every day again he wrote this originally in 2018 so this isn't just an article that was like okay we have you know we're facing a new uh pandemic and there's going to be a new new vaccine and this is a novel virus so we're going to go research the past and this is people that were talking about this before uh Fauci became president (laughs) (laughs) right right um The Spanish flu killed an estimated 50 to 100 million people during a pandemic. What if the story we have been told about the pandemic isn't true? What if instead the killer infection was neither the flu nor Spanish in origin? And then he goes on to a summary. 
says, the reason modern technology has not been able to pinpoint the killer influenza strain from this pandemic is because influenza was not the killer. Which is interesting because you get conflicting information on this, guys. And I want to throw it back to both of y'all before we just continue on. But yeah, uh, the, the term influenza, it, it harkens from the, I want to say the Latin, which means influential. It's like something right. that happens, like it's a disease of the, uh, what you would consider the zeitgeist, like the spirit of the age or whatever. It's, it's the current thing. It's the reason you don't have a vaccine. You have a shot for the flu. But it, because it mutates and because it changes and because it's just something that's around, um, even though in, in 2020, uh, if you disappeared, remember, the first disappeared. remember, there was like, I remember we were like hosting InfoWars and like there was, uh, I pull up the stories and I mean, it was like the, the, the Guardian was, well, I mean, this major papers, like the, the flu is 97%. Scientific American publication came out and had a huge article saying that. Scientific American. I, it's, it's, I mean, it, just like COVID eats the flu or something. We live in, it's just clown times, but yeah, this, <laughs> it's influential, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, more soldiers died during World War I from diseases than from bullets. The pandemic was not flu. An estimated 95% or higher of the deaths were caused by bacterial pneumonia, not influenza, influenza uh, or a virus. The pandemic was not Spanish. The first cases of bacterial pneumonia in 1918 traced back to a military base in Fort Riley, Kansas. And, and there were a lot that. of bases, a lot of bases around Kansas and areas yeah. that had outbreaks. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting, Tony, is going back and talking about um, basically the Rockefeller Institute because um, – I don't know why at the very beginning at the formation of that Institute and the doctor who actually formed it created John Hop Hopkins Medical Institute. He was a pretty renowned doctor, but I don't know why they just didn't use Dr. Bill Levingston's homebrew to fight this stuff from the beginning. <laughs> you got to tell people what that is. Oh, so that's a uh, devil bill or William Rockefeller. And uh, he had this abortion serum, right, Tony? His, his abortion he, juice. Yeah. That was that he, uh, John D. <laughs> Rockefeller's father. Right. Devil Bill. Yeah, he was a right. he traveled around and um wasn't wasn't a we I don't want to get too off topic. Wasn't some of his his serums and some of his lotions and potions and all these things he sold as a crack. Um he was like he was also a bigamist. Like he was married, he had like two like a family franchise, like had one set up in one town and then one in another. Uh yeah, yeah. Now it's called essential oils, I think. But no, but that was funny. What was weird is his son became like this giant. Well, not that we gave this hairless uh, mole rat who can grow right. massive amounts of energy and oil, but uh, like William Smith's wife, they just lose their hair. <laughs> He's gonna, somebody's gonna come slap you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, they were made out of crude oil. Like they were, right. actually had. I mean, it's like the irony of that. But uh, yeah, so you need Doctor. Yeah, Lee, yeah. Lee, anyways, just the idea of it coming from that institute, which they were trying to be like the Pasteur Institute in France and the Koch Institute. And, in, um, you know, I, I think it was England at the time. And they had just, they were trying to get away from this age of the country doctor and transform it into a new modern age where there were lots of vaccines. And so they had recently developed smallpox rabies. I didn't know this, but it said anthrax. I know you've had that one, right, Tony? 
Yeah, and a bunch of them. And the other one was meningitis. And that's originally how they fought this, right? So they fought it um, like it was measles, I think, or, or meningitis. It was some form of bacterial pneumonia. And so they had the means at their disposal because of the draft to give a lot of people who were unwilling to say no to force vaccinations, all these vaccinations, um, which we saw recently in recent years. I mean, they tried to do it where I worked and they still do it to, to kids. Like one of the things RFK Jr. brought up in a debate I saw recently that was televised. He's just like, look at all the vaccines that they suggest that you give to children now. Like, why does a child need a hepatitis B vaccine? Are they sexually active? Like when I was a kid, you had three. But anyways, that's what it kind of reminds me of. This this whole Rockefeller Institute is kind of putting us in this new pharmaceutical age and pushing these vaccines on us. But I think it's interesting in what you're reading and then what Chris said that these vaccinations could have had a lot to do with the actual outbreak um, that well, happened yeah, in the I'll trenches. And I'll ask people that are listening to honestly evaluate what I'm about to say, because I, I know it just from my own life. But when I was on air in 2020, I kept asking people, look in your phone, tell me who you know that's sick of with COVID-19, because I couldn't find anybody. And I mean that. I'm, I'm on the, I'm a journalist. I'm on the radio. I mean, shortwave and I'm on a radio station, in San Antonio. I have a podcast. I'm talking to people on Infowars. I was everywhere. I couldn't find anybody who actually was sick, like for that didn't have like a normal, like regular, you know, just sick from being alive, you know, like having the cold or um, yeah. having the flu. the flu or whatever. Yeah. However, that changed in 2021. And I know Mr. Anderson will attest to this because we both saw it. And every, and so almost everyone I knew in 2021 started to get some form of, uh, COVID or some variant of it. Well, what changed in 21? There was vaccines. Sorry, I had a cough. Uh, <clears throat> vaccines? Yes. Can I get vaccines for 500, Alex? Yeah, and by the summertime. And so you shouldn't be getting like the yeah. flu in the summertime because the flu, it, it, it's, it really comes down to how your vitamin D levels. And if there's enough vitamin D and you have enough temperature outside, the virus doesn't stay on surfaces and it doesn't aerosol, right? It's supposed to and burn I mean, out in the summer. Burn off, right? Yeah. Well, you just go back and think about that. When did people, you know, and so you know, I ended up getting it in 22 uh, eventually, but it's just uh, that vaccine, in my opinion, we have no other way. There was a, a Nobel laureate in, and even I gave this article to my doctor. He was like, have you heard anything on this? I go, yeah. And I sent him tons of links. There was that, and I had to pull it up, but it was on uh, the new American, you know, in 2021 about hey, the guy was saying, um, Oh, the, the, the variants, you know, like eventually ended in Omicron or whatever, you know, but yeah. uh, the variants are caused by the vaccine. It sounds like a transformer. That's what I said. <laughs> I, always thought yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said it, it sounds like a, a Mercury theater. Like it came from space, the Omicron, you know, Omicron like, and the UFO <laughs> tonight at nine o'clock PM. Yeah. Revenge of the Omicron. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep going on the article and, and then we'll just kind of go back and forth because this is the this is the best way to cover one of these things that are reading it all the way through. We can't do the whole article, folks, but uh, definitely some of the highlights here. Uh, from January 21 to June 4th, 1918, an experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine cultured in horses by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York 
was injected into soldiers at Fort Riley. During the remainder of 1918, as those soldiers, often living and traveling under poor sanitary conditions, were sent to Europe to fight, they spread bacteria at every stop between Kansas and the front-line trenches in France. One study describes soldiers with active infections who were aerosolizing the bacteria that colonized their noses and throats, while others, often in the same breathing spaces, were profoundly susceptible to invasion and a, and a rapid spread through their lungs by their own and others colonizing bacteria. The Spanish flu, and he puts this in quotations, attacked healthy people in their prime. Bacterial pneumonia attacks healthy people in their prime. Flu attacks the young, old, and immunocompromised. Uh, when World War II ended on November 11, 1918, soldiers returned to their home countries and colonial outposts, spreading the killer bacterial pneumonia worldwide. And I'll read this last thing, and then we'll discuss this. During World War I, the Rockefeller Institute also sent the anti meningococcal serum to England, France, Belgium, Italy, and other countries, helping spread the epidemic worldwide. I was going to bring that up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this was not taught in school. <laughs> this was, <laughs> this is not, this is not in history class. You know, well, I think also, even the part of it, the, the Spanish flu and they were neutral during the war. So their press wasn't handicapped in the sense that they only had to push propaganda because all the other countries, especially the allied countries, didn't want the central powers to know they were weakened. So Spain was the first to talk about it. Their king in Madrid actually got it. And so they blew the whistle. And I didn't even know this for the longest time. I mean, it didn't come from Spain. They were just the first to talk about it, what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. And I think there's another there's another uh, reason too, and he gets kind of breaks that down. I'm pretty sure you covered most of it, but that's the the neutrality of Spain not being a real player in any part of the war. Uh, it wasn't dangerous to use them as anything because he had these soldiers in the trench warfare. And, um, they they were all supposed to be home by Christmas 1914, <laughs> but by 1918, no, just slaughter pins. Uh, just again, just the, the horrors of 19th century uh, warfare tactics with 20th century weapons. And you had the, you know, um, again, the, the, the trenches were just a, a stalemate and just a, a wasteland. And you had these soldiers that were also worried about getting sick now. And so they had to put it on something. So they called it the Spanish flu, which was like the original misdirection. You know, we're starting to see some of that now where, you talk about I me mean, by the way, I just talked about an America unplugged. I opened up on yesterday. I said, Oh, don't worry any folks. I mean, you don't even need to talk anymore. The, the U S government yeah. stopped funding the Wuhan lab. It's going to say, yeah, it just now stopped like <laughs> last week. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? That's like me, uh, hiring a hitman and then you no know, to take care of my enemies. And then I say, well, I don't pay him anymore. You know, I stopped paying, <laughs> paying the, the hitman. Yeah. <laughs> The China virus, Tony. Yes, the China virus. Yeah. Yeah, so many misdirections here. Yeah. Yeah, and can I add one more thing, too, um, that I found interesting when looking into this subject was the topic of also the vaccines, but also, I mean, during World War One, they were gassing each other, right? And there were lots of mustard gases, and nitrogen mustards are genotoxic. I mean, there's lots of um, studies and essays that go into this about they can lead to genetic mutations, right? 
And so that was a topic of concern, right or wrong, that came up, you know, with the wave of COVID-19 and the, the, the new mRNA vaccines. So I, I don't know. I, I found that very interesting as well. Absolutely. Do you have thing, any thoughts on that, guys? Well, Tony? Sorry. No, go ahead, Chris. Well, no, I was just going to say um, another thing that I don't think is mentioned in the article um, is the whole the whole concept of the masks. There were a lot of people that didn't want to wear the masks back then. And there were some researchers and, and scientists at the time that thought the mask wearing was contributing to the people getting sick and dying too. And I found a whole bunch of articles on that, but, um, but going back to what you, you were saying, you were um, bringing up Mr. Anderson, but what was the base? Like, I was thinking about the mask thing. So I apologize. What, what he had you just, brought up a second ago oh just the idea of mustard gas oh mustard and how gas. it was yeah. used in the trenches during the war um and those have been shown to lead to genetic modifications and i think i think that could be like um when you fast forward to vietnam with agent orange and things like that maybe they were testing it unfortunately on the the soldiers maybe i you know it's not out of the realm of possibility to suggest that, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're testing like, uh, they're, they're injecting, uh, soldiers back then, even with the article here, you know, with stuff that came from horses and, and things like uh, cultured and things. So that I, seemed I to be pretty common at the time. There are these two other doctors who were kind of in a race with this Dr. Welch from the Rockefeller Institute and they were parking Will Williams and, um, I think they were known for developing the diphtheria vaccine or however you pronounce it. It's the same thing. You inject horses with the virus and you use the horse's blood to extract antibodies. I mean, it's a very strange process, but it seemed commonplace. <laughs> but I don't even know how they understood things like you were talking about influenza and wh where that word comes from, Tony. I mean, they didn't have things like scanning electron microscopes back then. They couldn't see things that were 10 nanometers in length. So how they could even say what, what a virus was conclusively or something like that, just, it boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's, if you go back and you have to kind of look at it through the lens of what you just said, is like the, the technology that they had and what they did have though, is they had a complete control of what we would consider the, the mainstream media, even more so than they did. There was a while where it was decentralized a bit more. Yeah. Uh, but, but it, it did break up and there was more papers and more, you know, especially with the advent of the radio, which we'll get to, which is another, another aspect of other theory about all of this stuff, like changes in technology, uh, electrification, radio waves, you know, causing, uh, human, uh, adaptation to that. Could that be a, ca a causation, which to me is a, a lot more, uh, has more scientific basis than all of a sudden there was this disease and everybody got it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that doesn't matter. And it, by the way, it started and it went away too. Yeah. Which is, which is something that doesn't make any sense either. Right. When you didn't have, it's one thing to talk about smallpox because smallpox is a DNA virus. And again, I'm not a virologist, not a medical expert. I always have to qualify that when you talk about any of this crap anymore, yeah. but you have, you have a DNA virus. So the theory is you could, could introduce a weakened, uh, part of that virus into to a human 
and the, your immune system would be able to handle that weakened virus and create antibodies because it would recognize it again. Well, the difference between that and this is that this is RNA. And if, if, if anything else, you know, um, if you're even talking about the flu or whatever that is, and it changes all the time, that's why we don't have a vaccine for it. No matter what your grocery store says, like, come get your flu shot. You have a <laughs> shot for it. Right. But there's a difference between a vaccine and an inoculation and, and whatever the hell this is, you know, cause you're just getting a shot every year. And could it be that the shot itself is what gives everybody the flu? Right. I know I get the flu every time I get a shot. I don't yeah. get it anymore. I had to get it in the military. I don't want one ever again. Yeah. There's so many people that got boosters too, that they kept, they kept getting COVID. It's like, <laughs> why do you keep doing that? You know what I mean? And then they were able to kind of convince everybody, not kind of flat out convince everybody that the vaccine now meant that it wouldn't be, you know, the effects wouldn't be as harsh. No, the vaccine is supposed to prevent you from getting the thing in the first place. Not right. lessen, lessen the effects of the, it's, just, oh, it's mind boggling. We're going to take it from a level nine to a level seven on the shitty scale, folks. <laughs> yeah, Chris, the Dana Carvey bit he just did recently when he imitated Fauci. And he's like, uh, he's like, you get so many boots, you get your daily shot. And he's like, and you're only going to be protected between the time you get out of the uh, building until you get to your car. But it's a beautiful 37 seconds, you know, like, <laughs> like you're going to have that protection for 37 seconds. Remember, you got to be six feet apart also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to stay six, six, six feet apart. Exactly. Okay. Don't yeah, worry. Chris, uh, Tony and I were laughing a little bit before you, you joined before the show, but you remember Trump's trading cards? Oh, remember he was yeah. selling those? And oh, there was one that was a meme of him as a cowboy with his shirt tucked in a big cowboy hat and gut sticking over. And he's like, get your shots. I got mine. They're good. They're good. He <laughs> Wasn't there one where he was Superman, too? I was like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, gross. Big Q on his chest. Uh, the, yeah. the American Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research and its experimental bacterial meningococcal vaccine may have killed 50 to 100 people, 100 million people. In 1918 to 1919, and then this is something that I, I read it before, but I wanted to read it again. This is something that Kevin Barry put up. Is it's a, it's a far less effective sales slogan than the oversimplistic vaccine save lives, which I thought was pretty funny. This is the guy who authored. I want to make sure I give Kevin Barry all the attribution I can. We're we're taking his article and making a show out of it. Um, the disease which killed so many was not the flu, nor was it a virus. It was bacterial. During the mid-2000s, there was much talk about pandemic preparedness. Influence of vaccine manufacturers in the United States received billions of taxpayer dollars to develop vaccines to make sure that we don't have another pandemic, quote, flu like the one in 1918 and 1919. Remember, this is all leading up to uh, COVID-1984. Capitalizing on the flu part of the Spanish flu helped vaccine manufacturers procure billion-dollar checks from governments, even though scientists knew at the time that bacterial pneumonia was the real killer. He says, it's not my opinion that bacterial pneumonia was the real killer. Thousands of autopsies confirm this fact. According to a 2008 National Institute of Health paper, bacterial pneumonia was the killer in a minimum of 92.7% of the 1918-1919 autopsies reviewed is likely higher than 92.7%. The researchers looked at more than 9,000 autopsies 
there were no negative bacterial lung cultures sampled. Think about that. And think about how interesting it is you have a 1918-1919 pandemic, right? 100 years later, you get COVID-19. Now, there wasn't a COVID-20 or 21 or 22 or 23, mind you. But we did get COVID-19. A virus, to my understanding, has anybody ever really truly isolated? What did you find in your research for Don Jeffries, Chris? Uh, no, it has not. It hasn't been isolated at all. Nope. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of, I mean, there's various uh, studies that have gone on about what it is. I mean, you know, RFK Jr. just got in trouble for saying that, uh, I mean, yeah. an obvious an obvious fact that bioweapons labs around the world make race-specific right. bioweapons. They, they do. Yeah. It's, this is gone. This is like... Well, that's yeah, an interesting racist to say that that's what Nazi scientists do. What are you talking about? This sounds crazy too, Tony, but it's, it's an offshoot, but it was part of World War I, but the whole Balfour Agreement. And when that was structured um, between Arthur Balfour, who used to be the prime minister, right? And he was talking to Lord Lionel Walter Rothschild. It's always funny to me how they put a Rothschild in every <laughs> major Western country and control the banking institutions. But they had support for a national home for the Jewish people. And that's what this declaration said, right? The only problem was they would have to get Palestine from the Ottoman Empire, right? Which in the Ottoman Empire was part of the central powers during the war. Yeah. But they guaranteed it. I mean, it's just, it was all so weird to me um, reading about that and kind of this rise in Zionism during the Jewish Enlightenment where there's almost this splintering of the Jewish community and those who consider themselves like Jewish in a religious sense. And those who said, no, that's my nationality, my ethnicity. I want a home state. Right. So originally I think England said, we'll put you in Uganda, but they, they wanted Jerusalem. So I don't know. All that was hitting around the same time. And the real hiccup there was the UK couldn't promise that to them at the time, because that was part of the Ottoman empire. <laughs> the war wasn't over. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I just thought that was kind of strange timing for that declaration or agreement. Nothing's a coincidence. Well, I would say that there's some uh, possible quid pro quo with the Balfour Declaration and America's entrance into the war. If you recall, uh, the sinking of the Lusitania was in May of 1915. Most people think it was right around 1917 and then America got into war. That's not true. As a matter of fact, it happened again, 1915, 1916, Woodrow Wilson runs for re-election. He ran on the slogan, he kept us out of war. The first thing he does, and people forget, inauguration was always March 4th. It was 3-4 up until Franklin Roosevelt. He just said, he was his third term. He goes, ah, he just canceled that. So let's just do it you know, in January and get it over with. We don't have to wait till March. I'm president. I'll just be president then too. So that's, but before that, it was always March. We went to war in April of 1917. So as soon as he was sworn in again, Woodrow Wilson took us to war, had a, a declaration of war declared. Uh, I think there was a quid pro quo for um, getting America into the war. Uh, you know, the, the banking industry, the putting pressure on its uh, puppets in the United States to get us into the war. And that was an exchange for uh, the homeland, possibly. I mean, 
you you look at uh, or Palestine being declared that, uh, and it was you know again it was not under uh, it was part of the the Ottoman Empire, but at the time, you know one of the things that happened to Winston Churchill he was first Lord of the Admiralty during the the First World War he's in his 30s so he's like first Lord of the Admiralty was like a huge office that. There's really no comparison here in the United States to what First Lord is, but it's right up there with Prime Minister. I mean, it's like probably just Prime Minister adjacent. And he was, you know, uh, on his rise to power, but he had this plan to open up a second front in Gallipoli, which was Turkish. It was going to open up a second front. They they called Turkey the sick man of Europe, right? This is what they were, because it was an empire for a long time, but it didn't have the military prowess. It didn't have the organization that the British empire did, or many of the European continental powers, it just, they called it the sick man of Europe, but they were allied with Germany. So they thought that British, the, the British thought that they could open it up. And that's what brought Churchill down. Uh, that's why he, he lost the first Lord. He, he, it was a, it was just a botch deal. It didn't, it didn't go off. Right. So there was a, there was a need for troops. There was a need for American entrance because they just were bloodied. And uh, that was the deal. And again, we didn't, they didn't control it, but they promised it. And so there was some, there's some kind of back channel deal uh, along with one other thing, which was the Zimmerman telegram. And I don't know if you guys know about what the Zimmerman telegram was, but that was an agent in Germany who uh, reportedly had some ties to the house of Rothschild and other banking houses that went and sent a telegram to the consulate in Mexico stating if Mexico would join the war that they would, uh, with Germany, that when Germany conquered the U S they would give back the territories that, that they lost in the you know 1840s. This is true. Did not this know was, this. this yeah. was to inflame a sentiment in the U S. So there was, there was this triangulation of, things happening because America had always been isolationist. It was in our founding documents. I mean, if you look at uh, Washington's inaugural, you know, he talked about uh, uh, staying out of foreign entanglements. Uh, Thomas Jefferson spoke about uh, peace, commerce, and honest friendship. Uh, John Quincy Adams said, "We America's not designed to go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. This was part of our, our culture right. was to stay out of European wars. Right. That's why, that's why the, the Zimmerman telegram comes later. But the Lusitania didn't have the the effect that they wanted it to have, even though, by the way, Winston Churchill supposedly is the one that told them to go on the route that they went on so they would get hit. And they'd and, the, Ger and the German embassy put it in newspapers saying that any, any ship, regardless of the cargo, if, if they have a British flag on there, we're going to sink you. And they put this in American newspapers and people still got on that. I, I've never understood that. How crazy do you have to be to understand there's a war going on there? What are you doing? Well, how it's kind of like getting in a submarine made out of fiberglass with a you know an arcade game control. <laughs> Anybody got some double A's? I got I got a got, got half a million dollars to get on this, this death this death doing getting a water heater and go down and see the the Titanic. Um, no, I mean, but I I think there's there's connections here. You know. Yeah. History is not what it seems. It's one of the reasons I do the show and the research that I do. I don't know everything, um, but I do know that, you know, you brought up a great point, Mr. Anderson. You're talking about outliers and, you know, what we're looking at is there's an extension of 
World War One. It's built into this. Now, was this was this their plan to like have fifty to hundred million casualties worldwide of of whatever came out of Fort Riley, Kansas? Hard to say. Um, but but it stopped the spring offensive. It stopped the spring offensive, whether it was intended or not. I mean, that there was basically the Allies were recovering from the same time that the Germans launched their spring offensive. And then all the Germans got sick, right? Because I think at that time they were fighting a war on two fronts, but they eliminated the Russian part, right? Because the what was that general's name? The German, I forget his name, something like Ludendorff. Yeah, Ludendorff. But he, he created some type of peace treaties, right? with Russia because they were going through, they, they had gone through their October revolution and he actually gave, got Lenin back to Russia. So that they thought they might have in control just fighting on the Western front again. And then this hit them. I don't know. That's that was kind of my understanding. What, what do you, where you get the, uh, the term Dolchloss, which was the stab in the back That's where you, you read about that in, uh, Mein Kampf. Right. And the, 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 the origin of that of Germany being stabbed in the back at that time. And of course, this is the also the time of Max Warburg, who was the head of the central bank in Germany, whose brother Paul Warburg was the head of the central bank in the United States of America, Federal Reserve, right? His brother, Max, our arch enemy in uh, Germany, they put um, Lenin on a sealed train car filled with gold and sent him to Russia to start the revolution, right? Yeah. Yeah, these are these are these are strange right. times. This is where you get the the birth of of communism. I heard a joke the other day; it was pretty funny, and somebody retold it. It was uh, from from Reagan. He used, I guess he used this joke a lot. And, uh, and there was two two men standing in the middle of Red Square, and uh, it's kind of desolate, and you know, uh, very uh, very drab. Very everything's very serious, very gray. No, nothing, no happiness, no anything. And they were standing there and they said, uh, one of the guys says, uh, so this is what communism looks like. And the other guy says, no, 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 no. It gets much, much worse. <laughs> 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 it gets much, much worse. I thought it was great. Um, let's let me get a few more licks into this article. This is kind of covering what the bacterial pneumonia was and where it originated. Where did the Spanish flu bacterial pneumonia of 1918-1919 originate? When the United States declared war on April 1917, the fledgling pharmaceutical industry had something they'd never had before, a large supply of human test subjects in the form of U U.S. military's first draft. I know that very well. I, I was part of those things. <laughs> Pre-war in 1917, the U.S. Army was 286,000 men. Post-war in 1920, the U.S. Army disbanded and had only 296,000 men. During the war years, 18, uh, 1918 and 19, the U.S. Army ballooned to 6 million men, with 2 million men being sent overseas. The Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research took advantage of the new pool of human guinea pigs to conduct vaccine experiments. There's a report on anti-meningitis vaccination and observations on uh, alglutinis. If I'm saying that right, in the blood of chronic meningitis carriers, and this is a link uh, to other studies. And this is where you get in. Your Mr. Uh, Anderson was referring to Dr. Gates in here. Between January 21st and June 4th of 1918, Dr. Gates reports on an experiment where soldiers were given three doses of the bacterial meningitis vaccine 
those conducting the experiment on the soldiers were just spitballing dosages of vaccine serum made in horses. And this is like the beginning of vaccine. That's the, the origin story of vaccines, really. I mean, we always hear about inoculating on, on the on smallpox, which is a, an inoculation is a little bit different than a vaccine. I mean, because you know you have the uh, the needle involved here, you have the the injection site. Uh, 4,792 men received the first dose, but only 4,257 got the second dose, down 11%, and only 3,702 received all three doses. A total of 1,090 men uh, were not there for the third dose. What happened to these soldiers? Were they shipped east by train from Kansas to board a ship to Europe? Were they in the Fort Riley Hospital? Dr. Gates' report doesn't tell us. Well, this is an interesting, and Mr. Anderson brought this up. There's a Dr. Gates. Well, at least he's a doctor, you know, this time. You go back 100 years, there's a Gates involved, and he's giving you the shot. I tried to find out if he was related to the Gates that you're referring to, and uh, I couldn't find anything on it. But it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> no. I wonder. A real ga gateway drug there, huh? <laughs> He's a real Gatesway. <laughs> real Gatesway. <laughs> real Gatesway. I'm still trying to figure out. Um, I'm still trying to figure out a comeback on the Burt's Gold page for you, but I just, I just. I I'm, I'm sorry. You, you know, I like to throw you off a little bit. But speaking of origin stories, I heard this weird one, Tony. You probably heard of this one, Chris. I, I don't know, but it involved bird bass and rats and birds. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> No. You're talking, you're doing like such a deep reference that, you know, it's an eastbound reference. He's found and down. Eastbound and down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. Yeah, about how a new type of AIDS was made. Yeah, I, I know that you had to live with you, and I have it. Your house, so I, I would, I only I would know that. I know the show and the writer of the show. Right. Good old Kenny Powers. Have you watched that, Chris? Oh, yeah. That's been a. Quite a few years now, actually. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by March of the year, 100 men a day were entering the infirmary at Fort Riley. This is the, so they taken these, they got, again, you get, take 6 million men under arms. Before that, you had 296,000 troops all across the, with, you know, National Guard and Reserves for World War I. So this massive amount of men to experiment on. And you got a hundred men a day were entering the infirmary at Fort Riley. Are some of these men missing from Dr. Gates' reports? The ones who did not get the second or third dose. And they, you know, this is an open question. Did they die? What happened to them? Shortly before breakfast on a Monday, March 11th, the first domino would fall, signaling the commencement of the first wave of the 1918 influenza. Company cook Albert Gitchell reported to the camp infirmary with complaints of a bad cold. Right behind him came Corporal Lee W. Drake, voicing similar complaints. By noon, Camp Surgeon Edward Schreiner had over 100 sick men in his hands, all apparently suffering from the same malady. Again, Gates does not report that several of the men in the experiment had flu-like symptoms, coughs, vomiting, and diarrhea after receiving the vaccine. These symptoms are a disaster for men living in barracks, traveling on trains to, to the Atlantic coast, sailing to Europe. Oh, yeah, it's awful. You ever been around a bunch of sick guys? Like, I mean, ugh, just, you're all in close quarters. I remember when I was in Kuwait, you always get some bad, like, 
upper respiratory. Every time I deployed, every time I went to war, it's always something like in my throat. You'd always just get some kind of just I I and I recall in Afghanistan, you talk about just awful conditions and being around all the, you know, we're taking prison people off the battlefield and makeshift barracks. We bulldozed this old the Soviet site that was, I mean, there was like parts of hind helicopters look like the, the set of uh, Rambo three or something in there. Like it was just in its desolate, this old airport and got the worst infection of my, it was just in my throat and I could not shake it. I just had the chills and fever and like, you couldn't hardly talk and your throat swelled up. And I went and got, um, I went and got Cipro from the medical tent. <laughs> my, oh, yeah. my sergeant stole it. I think the statute of limitations has run out, but yeah, I stole Cipro. Well, Jerome, uh, Jerome Hauer on 9-11-2001 prescribed the White House Cipro. And then uh, what did we have about a week and a half later, the first anthrax uh, letter, right? Oh, so, that's true. Yeah, oh, that's true. Oh, all, just a coincidence, though, Chris. And I, and oh, I, when I, I, by the time I got to Iraq, I was a little bit smarter. I decided not to stay in the big tents with everybody in Kuwait while we were waiting to go into the, uh, Iraq, the invasion of Iraq. And I slept on top of what's called an ISU 90 at night in the Kuwaiti desert. Just had all I had like a, was a little pad. And I just sleep up there on top of it. I had to climb up a generator, but I'd sleep by my, I still got sick, though. Um, I had, I was popping like, 800 milligram Motrin's rolling into Mosul because my throat just, again, you just get around yeah. a bunch of people and it's dirty and there's no sanitation yeah. and uh, you get sick and who knows, by the way, too, we were all, what happened right before we left? Everybody got a just ton of vaccinations. Yeah. I remember when they gave me uh, the anthrax vaccine, I got the anthrax, the smallpox and all the host of everything, like a pin cushion, you get hit the same day. But I'll never forget, and this is a true story, when they gave me the anthrax vaccine, it's like from a gun, and I've never felt anything like it, but I could feel it go through my heart. Yeah, you told me that once. And I just remember going, I could feel, my, I never feel my heart before. Like, I felt it through my heart. I went, whew, and it was like, I ended up getting like pox and stuff coming. It was the weird, it was, definitely was in my bloodstream. I'm sure it still is, right? That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah uh let me see i'm just kind of going through I don't, and your heart grew three sizes that day didn't it tony i just bigger for everyone around me <laughs> right right um yeah the, again this this is the the overwhelming evidence that something else happened yeah right and you know you talk about a patient zero or or the origin story of a disease. To me, this is what it looks like. You start screwing around with something. You get something to go from an infection to aerosolization, and where it's you know it's it's airborne. It's in the breathable space. To me, that's that's much more of a of an explanation than in Spain. One day, some guy got really sick, <laughs> like. Well, you know, they actually, the propaganda was working in various different ways, uh, I noticed, because I just put in uh, one other article right in the group chat that we have right here that we share. And the the title is, it's from National Geographic, and it says that the uh, Spanish flu 1918, China origins pandemic science health. And that was another narrative, apparently. China, even yeah. back then. They said it spread yeah, across Canada. Sorry, sorry. 
No, you go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, Tony and I uh, were talking a little bit about this, but please, I think this is important. Oh, yeah. No, no, that was pretty much it. I didn't know, if, uh, Tony, after this article, if you wanted to just show it on the screen real quick, just to show you, they, they had different angles of this propaganda of where the origins came from back then, even. And uh, China was involved with that, too, <laughs> supposedly. So yeah. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, just like with uh, COVID, we don't. So most people like to say Wuhan, but there's other people like uh, our friend Donald that he has different ideas. And then you ask other people and they think that it was kind of released around the same time in various parts of the world simultaneously, even, you know, you have different things, uh, theories, but I remember hearing people uh, kind of referring to China as like the origin of all viruses back in like, I was like oh it all come every major pandemic worldwide it always comes from china like the silk road going back right. you know, uh centuries and i'm like is that, is that really the case uh, and i don't know i mean again it seems like a lot of propaganda yeah yes yeah, so, so for this one chris i believe what the or according to my understanding what happened was china was neutral during the war but japan was part of the allies and so they felt a lot of pressure, um, China did, to be involved in the war. They thought maybe post-war during Reconstruction, they might get some, um, you know, I mean, a tip of the hat to them or something like that. But they didn't want Chinese people actively involved in warfare in the trenches. So what they did was ship workers. And so they, they shipped them to Canada, and then they traversed across Canada in these boxcars that were designed for cattle all the way to Halifax, which they'd board ships and then be sent to France and dig trenches. And yeah. a lot of them, according to what I read, grew sick. And that was one of the potential origins or one of the ones that I saw was visited for the yeah. Spanish flu. Yep. And they also said the mask thing and then also vaccinations possibly. So I, this was going on even back then, you know. And you can't really pinpoint it. I think that's the point. You know. Yeah, it's 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 strange. I mean, just I thought this was a nice topic actually because we had done the year 1913. This wasn't very far removed. We skipped ahead a little bit there, and it's easy to go back a little bit from you know exactly 1918 because again, they don't really pinpoint exactly where this um, outbreak came from or where it stemmed from. Yeah. But it, it just makes you think about what happened a couple of years ago to us and, you know, event 201, right, Tony and Chris. And it's just, it's all very strange how dark it's mapped winter, out. Dark winter. I mean, yeah. yeah. You earlier you mentioned uh, Johns Hopkins. Yeah. You know, like Johns Hopkins shows up in every simulation. Good point. Going back to, to dark winter. I mean, they're yeah. part of every major, as a matter of fact, I mean, uh, wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Johns Hopkins that did the spars? Yes. The document yeah. and the the spars uh, simulation and that that is fascinating. Twenty seventeen spars. You, I mean, they mapped out what was going to happen, and hasn't really completely followed the playbook. But it was real close to the they spars had, document. They, they had like a, a Fauci like character that yeah, would be celebrities and like the, yeah. the vaccine didn't work. Yeah, you know, and it caused there was injuries and like it. it, it just the whole thing, like the the amount of push to get it, the, the rollout, it was really quick. And then the, there's a Fauci figure who gets thrown under the bus. And then, yeah. right, right? 
the celebrities that were pushing the vaccine, they would be sacrificed as well in the public eye, things like that. That's an interesting connection. Thank you for the light bulb there, because you're right. The Rockefeller Institute, that's yeah. John Hopkins Medical University. Charlie, Charlie they were involved. Yeah. Charlie Robinson does a lot of good coverage on on that particular issue. So yeah, he does. Yeah, and you also remember there was the the, the document from the Rockefeller Institute on lockstep. Yeah, which is you know everybody getting in this, on the same um, same wavelength for response. Yeah, which is this response was locked down right. The response is to stop movement of peoples is to get a. I think, and I think there's, there's so many, there's so many variables and reasons why, you know, but in my opinion, there's, this is the opening salvo of the, of the great reset, the decade 20, the 2020 to 2030. Yeah. What it's all about is resetting the grand chessboard and getting people, uh, it packed into cities and, uh, you know, the word sustainability, resetting currencies to digital, the, the biometric surveillance system, the, the smart, everything that's, that's everything that's underlying here. But if you go back and it's, what's important, I think with these type of research is to go back and just have an alternative view to see what really happened, especially when you have something as murky as, oh, there was just this disease and it killed 50 to 100 million people we don't really know how many right. um and then we it was just from spain and some guy got it i mean that's just yeah and it had three waves and the and it kept getting worse and worse and then we then it didn't then it was gone yeah, yeah. like yeah. the flu apparently <laughs> and then again this report is from kevin barry and he says um I kind of scroll down a little bit. It says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Says, I do not believe that anyone involved in these vaccine experiments was trying to harm anyone. Some ha. will some some will see the name Rockefeller and yell Illuminati or culling the herd. I do not believe that's what happened. I believe standard medical hubris is responsible. Doctors playing God, thinking they can uh, tame nature without cr creating unanticipated problems. Well, I agree with that. I mean, some of it. I think that they're so they just think they are God. They don't ask why or should we just right. could we do it, right? Um, the medical hubris, uh, he says, with medical hubris, I do not think the situation has changed materially over the past 100 years. He says, what now? The vaccine industry is always looking for human test subjects. They have the most success when they are able to find populations who are not in a position to refuse. Soldiers. Infants, the disabled, prisoners, those in developing nations, anyone not yet in a position to refuse. Vaccine experimentation on vulnerable populations is not an issue of the past. Yeah. Well, I think in response to that, I think you can have both, right? You can have a hierarchy with bad intentions all the way at the top of that pyramid. And then those who are good puppets because of their egos and their hubris below that. I mean, but I'm a, Christian, and that's kind of how I view the world in general when it comes to the other side. So it's hard to hard to know what's in someone's head. So for him to uh, make the claims, I mean, he wrote a great article, but we don't know what you know. Just because uh, when he's saying like you know what what are the Rockefellers you know intentions or what this person's intention was with the vaccine, you know we don't know what's in someone's head. So you can't really prove that one way or another, unless they come out and, and tell you their intentions, you know, but I think there's a lot of 
engineering that that came from that you know went, went into all that like 1918 and it was like a playbook for a uh, hundred years later it seems like they always they if it ain't broke don't fix it you know and that's kind of like with false flags and shootings and on and on and on and also i want to just bring up one last thing that came into my head that uh donald jeffries brings up a bunch if you go back and look at some of the, these historical photos especially of baseball players and athletes he was pointing out that some of the photos they look questionable now in hindsight um as if like some of the masks that they're wearing in the pictures could have been or possibly could have been added you know later on at a later date even and I'm not that goes into Sandy Hook kind of territory or whatever, but just food for thought. If you if you have a, a way of looking back at any archives, just look at the pictures and see who's wearing masks and who who aren't. You know, because uh, a lot of there were a lot of people that were refusing to wear masks back then. You know, and there's a lot of articles out there even about that, and they were ridiculed and called idiots and all these different names and everything and. Uh, that repeated too, hundred years later. You know? I I still see people every day with masks. Every day. A lot of the time in medical facilities, I notice they keep keep. I going see around. masked people. They don't know that they're dead, right? They don't even know that they're masked. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The look at the the last part of the article. I mean, he's again ask the question what. What is, uh, I'm thinking of the movie Nixon and um, Bob Haldeman who worked for Nixon and he kept trying to figure out that, you know, they have the 18 and a half minute gap on the tape and Nixon always would just get really nervous when they started getting into the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. Anything related to uh, Kennedy. black ops and Kennedy and he would just try to shut them up and don't, you know, and there's all this coded message messages in there and, and uh, he, Bob Haldeman kept asking, what's this dynamite? in the bay of pigs thing he kept asking what why do we that was kennedy's thing well this made me think of that because you you got to ask yourself what is it with the medical community and their worship of vaccine i mean they just it's like you you touch on something like you cross their religion when yeah. you when you question i mean it's just uh you question the science and that but i mean everywhere and i'm thinking I even talked about this before 2020. I kept asking the question, okay, let's say I'm a skeptic and I don't want to get vaccine. I don't want any vaccines. Let's say I don't want them. Yeah. You get yours. Why are you in danger? Right. I'm the one that's in danger. I didn't get anything, but that's not the way it works. The way it works is everybody's got to get it because your seatbelt doesn't work unless <laughs> I put mine on. You're going to kill grandma. And my, and my bulletproof vest doesn't work unless you wear your. And so, it, again, it's just the same weird logic, but they there is there's dynamite there. You question it. Think about this. If there was a full-blown mainstream media with all the resources and all the fact-finding and even universities, if they went into this story and yeah. just started unearthing it, and you find out that the so-called Spanish flu was not Spanish and didn't originate in Spain. And it wasn't even a flu it was <laughs> an outbreak from an experimental vaccine that really tears down a whole lot of belief systems and everything else. You have to bury that in the past. It's, there's something to it. It's kind of like when we talked about, and we briefly, when we went over, 
1913 on our last uh breakdown show of the of, the, of 13 it was we talked about the titanic yeah and there was something kind of weird with it and there's people still talking people still talk about the the spanish flu and for different reasons you have like we just pulled up the national geographic article and it's oh it originated in china where in this article or any other lou rockwell thing i put we didn't the, the word china's not in there exactly yeah but everybody's got their theory right different angles go on different at the angles. same time confuses everyone who controls the present right or who controls the past controls the future who controls the present controls the past that's orwell yeah that's right yeah so what do you think mr anderson you you're back there you reading burt's gold page or what <laughs> i'm looking for better prices no um i'm playing with you i just had to throw you off no i i as i mentioned previously i think this was a really good topic of converse conversation because you go back a hundred years and then again, kind of think about what happened to us just a couple years ago. And it's, it's always the same tricks. It seems like it's the same lies and tactics. They're just repackaged a certain way. And, and maybe it did come out of nature or something like that. It just, there are just so many similarities and so many things that get you to scratch your head. But the biggest to me is just how much deceit there is. If it's, if this is really supposed, if history is supposed to be an accurate recounting of what happened, why do we have to dig so deep to understand what really happened? What are you hiding? So that's what I always come back to when I think about issues like this. And also, um, I'm kind of laughing, and it's probably inappropriate, but imagining the Titan submarine uh, vessel being a hot water heater with a remote controller from an Xbox. <laughs> I'm just saying, and we're going to take a hot water heater. To the <laughs> that, whole story, that whole story is so bizarre. <laughs> My mother's obsessed with it because she likes the Titanic. I'm like, it's not the same thing. Yeah, they were going down. It's a whole, I don't know. It still has people like watching videos <laughs> over and over again. I'm like, they knew it exploded like fairly, yeah. like fairly soon after it did. And they kept telling everybody that they were going to lose air. And right then and there, you show, show, you shows how much truth you get right there from uh these agencies and everything you well, know i didn't know james cameron was kind of a deep sea explorer to the extent he was until this happened i mean he's gone down very much deeper than that independently he went down 33 and hit, times 33 yeah. to the titanic 33 to the time yeah. oh yeah. wow because he's a mason <laughs> he likes pike and he's and he's possibly related to dr cameron from Canada of the MK Ultra program. Okay. The Canadian aspect of that. I I enjoyed his uh his preview documentaries on AI called Terminator. Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment <laughs> Day. Yes. <laughs> they were excellent, especially the second one. I tried to warn you about the AI. I went to Titanic. I didn't, I went down 33 times. Well, yeah. I think a lot of I didn't, for instance, until y'all mentioned it that the people who went down with the Titanic were some of the most vocal people opposed to the Fed. The Fed. See, JP Morgan, that. he, uh, I guess he left his ticket behind and went to see his mistress in France, or so the story goes. Well, so he, he missed uh, he died the next year anyway. So right. <laughs> JP yeah. Morgan was 18. The silver lining, he still died. 1837. <laughs> he lived, his, his life spanned the years between when the Bank, the central bank of the United States was gone 
we didn't have one from 1837 to 1913, the exact uh, lifespan of JP Morgan. Wow. That's weird. A little Why weird, huh? You didn't think about it like that. Yeah. I do. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> it came down on me, yeah. Wow. Uh, that's the way it's uh, my wheelhouse. I always go back to that. Well, this has been a fun talk. I, I, I've wanted to do this for a while. I'm glad you guys joined me on it because uh, when I was doing my live shows, you just kind of got a hit. And this article was too much. And I need a panel, you know, unless I'm, I could do it by myself, but I'd much rather talk to you guys when I do it. And um, you would not want to do this live. It's just too many. It's too many variables and too many things to talk about. Um, so I just never did. I shelved it. I remember, um, you know, when I had my day Monday through Fridays, 3 p.m. Central time, I was doing an hour during you know, the height of 2020, everything was happening. I had stacks of papers in here. And this was one of the articles. And I think I talked to Mr. Anderson months ago. I said, we should do the show. And then that got shelved. Anyway, we came back to it. So I'm really glad. Uh, it was a good bookend to uh, the Dawn interview. You know, uh, it was a good bookend to the COVID stuff we were covering. Yeah. And I hope, I hope the audience will be getting downloads from all over the world. I mean, um, cause we got two different channels. You got the Arterburn radio transmission podcast and then paratruther itself, which it mirrors that feed. And then you got the Rockfin on uh, channel on America and plug channel on Rockfin uh, and, uh, and other outlets that it goes to. And I just appreciate everybody who tunes in. These are just the informal conversations. We have a little bit of history. Uh, you know, we get, uh, I, I love the opinions of both of you guys. I mean, you got some, you got some great insight. Oh, definitely. I don't want to close yet unless you've got something you want to add and we could never cover everything with this, but it at least gets the conversation going because it's weird. It's weird. There's so much evidence to show that they, I mean, there's no doubt they were running, you know, this is like the prototype of uh, experimental vaccines, like in the, in the infancy of this technology yeah. with unintended consequences. And, and that makes a lot of sense to me and using military age men and, and people that can't, say no because i've been that guy you really can't at some level you can at some level but it's like you know, the tuskegee airmen they were experimented on you know with syphilis right the tuskegee experiments yes yeah and um and, and then people from all over all walks of life and different you know the, the disadvantaged and the poor and people that can't they don't know that they're getting experimented on mental awards they use people in those a lot or when decades. they they put things in the subway, you know, the mil, the military industrial. Yeah, subways. in New York City, they just yeah they literally out the back of a a car trunk. Yeah, yeah. Or when what they was San Francisco? Oh yeah, they back in the fifties, uh, Mr. Anderson. They they uh, blanketed San Francisco with a with a bacteria. Yeah. Uh, oh. To see who would who what it would do. It was kind of an inert thing, but they could like how long the infection would last and who could pick it up and if it could be transmitted uh through the air like through through planes or wherever they deliver with the little balloons or whatever like they the did. tuskegee experiments that they did too tuskegee, well that tuskegee yeah. was that they just had they said they were treating them and they just decided to not treat them and give them placebos and see how long right. and what the uh, you know lasting effects of syphilis would be on the on african-americans oh i thought they actually gave them syphilis well they could have i think they did give them syphilis too but i think they were tr supposed to be treating they're supposed to be a clinic to treat it and then it, that was right. the guise of it yeah. And then it just turned, they just watched them, you know, which is like one of the most heinous evil things you could possibly do when you have the power to heal somebody and you don't, I mean, you are, a, and there's a special place in hell for you for doing something right. like that to, Absolutely. to a human being. But, um, there's actually, a, there's a documentary that's on YouTube that, uh, I'll try to find it and send you guys the link, but, uh, apparently that San Francisco test with the subways, 
they filmed that as a documentary. Like the agency that was uh, responsible for it. Uh, unless the footage is, is bogus, uh, they show you the cab and the trunk being opened with the briefcase that is then brought into the subway and just left there to uh, spray out whatever, you know, pathogens or whatever they wanted to experiment on people with. And it's all filmed. I don't know if it's, you know, if the footage is fake or not, or they literally had the balls to film like them actually doing this. And because it shows the guy take it out of the cab trunk and go into the subway and the camera follows him down. And he literally puts it, uh, he puts one um, briefcase on the ground, like uh, near a group of people that are waiting for the subway. And then he has another one that he literally waits for the subway to stop. And he puts it on a seat uh, in the subway car itself. And meanwhile, they showed you before he took it out of the trunk in front of in broad daylight in front of everybody, you see it actually something being sprayed out of it, like a mist coming out of both briefcases. Hmm. And I was I, it was on Facebook. People were it was kind of a viral thing, but it was from like the or it was from a long time ago, this documentary. Hmm. And well, they had uh, one of the most virile things uh most heinous developments of Fort Detrick, which is really an offshoot of Operation Paperclip. Yeah. Um, the Nazi scientists imported uh, after the end of World War II, they developed something called brucellosis. And brucellosis is this, it's a bacteria, much like what we just talked about, um, yeah. that was the offshoots of the vaccine, uh, supposedly to treat meningitis. It was a bacteria that can be passed along person to person and spread into the uh, and cult, you know, put into the uh, everyday um, environment, right? So of people, and so a lot of people think that brucellosis, and it's it, it just attacks your immune system and attacks you on a, like, a, and it's a long term thing. It wears you down. A lot of people think that's what Gulf War syndrome is, mm. and that was covered in Jim Mars's book, uh, Population Control. That uh, somehow it's just basically that we lost. And same thing with Lyme disease. Lyme disease was another offshoot of. Uh, lots of evidence to show it was a bioweapon created by Fort Detrick, you know, yeah. and again, that's another the Nazis. The Nazis were uh, using ticks and mosquitoes for bioweapons. Right. And apparently we brought that over with paperclip and everything. Yeah, nothing to see here. They just released all those genetically engineered mosquitoes, uh, yeah. <laughs> Texas, and now they have uh, malaria. It's funny. You got to, you know, the medicine's worse than the disease sometimes, folks, but uh well, Mr. Anderson, I want to go to, I know you don't want anybody to find you or know where you are in your undisclosed no location. So you don't have websites or. Well, you, you've said you've stayed at my house in Taiwan. So, you know, that's true. I did. But he, <laughs> Mr. Anderson lives in a, in a, a, a VPN. I actually have to skip around in different realities when I stay with him. He goes from one area to the next and I'm transported with him, which is, uh, but you do have an OnlyFans page. Don't you have it? <laughs> <laughs> you can find him on OnlyFans. Yeah, he lives uh, in Australia. <laughs> at the same time, he's living in uh It's Pakistan. literally his house is a VPN. I mean, you go into it, and then all of a sudden, I'm transported around. The view changes. To the Matrix? If, if, if I had an OE fans, I'd have to pay people to watch me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it would yeah, work out. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think we covered a lot. As you pointed out, Tony, it's, it's kind of like a starter kit. You know, you know, if you're still interested, you can pull on those threads as much as you want. I mean, all this conversation makes me want to do things like watch 12 monkeys again. Right. Um, I haven't seen that in a long time, but wasn't Brad Pitt, wasn't he the son of like somebody who was very influential in the right. movie? 
Like yeah. Are... It's just, it's just weird. The more you talk about things um, and examine the history and then watch kind of the, the nuggets, maybe they put out there for you. No weird scenes inside the Canyon by Dave McGowan. He connects all the dots. There's usually some kind of a military or intelligence connection with most people in Hollywood and the music scenes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, what do you think, Chris? Or what would, uh, with the episode today? Yeah. Um, I think it was like I was saying before, I think it was a great bookend to uh, the inter interview that we were doing with Donald uh, with, about masking the truth. Um, I think that was really good that we kind of not maybe not put this whole subject to bed, but we were maybe going forward. We're able to kind of dive into things like Stanley Kubrick or the moon landing stuff, you know, but I feel like this was a, kind of crucial to kind of touch upon that. And I wasn't even aware, Tony, that you had been planning uh, a show about that article for so long. So in a way it's like a full circle thing with that as well. So. I yeah, that was the article you sent as well. It just wasn't the same website, the same article. I think. They, they used a lot of the same things I noticed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciated both of you guys being here and uh, just want to say thanks to everybody who tunes in and, also, we'll be back. I'll be talking to these two gentlemen about more shows and more subject matter. And we're going to, we've done a lot of hidden history, we've done years and stuff. And I, Mr. Anderson's got some great ideas on some more, I don't know, not necessarily lighter subjects, but maybe some pop culture stuff and especially Kubrick. Uh, and future, future years too. I don't mean to cut yeah, you off. Future years. I think that's going to be fun. That's kind of a thought experiment, which I like. Yeah. Mr. Anderson and myself do thought experiments all the time. So uh, we'll definitely be going over that. So lots of cool stuff in the future. And uh, you're going to uh, subscribe and share the links. This is this is the most uncensored show. Like I there's that we don't talk about much before we start and we just uh, go into it. But there's a lot here. At least gives you uh, gives you you know, the, the starting points gives you a little bit of tools and to, you know, maybe a direction on the map of where to start looking. We won't give you all the things cause we don't have them either. So uh, there's, there's something to this story. I think it's, it's why it's stuck with me for the last three years where I'm like, I got to talk about it. It's so weird. I got to talk about that. And, and it's not many things that you see on it, but if you do go to lourockwell.com, it's got three or four articles uh, from different people um, on this. And so all of them are, are great, but I chose Kevin Barry's, um, uh, Chris, and I know that you want to tell people where they can find us. One thing that you didn't do and make sure. People oh yeah. Um, on Twitter, I'm at, uh, uh, C graves mask guy. And, uh, I do shows on the, the new prisoners, TMP, uh, platforms on rumble and odyssey. I do shows like digging Chris graves, conspiring with Mr. Cooper. Uh, don't take our word for it. I do too many shows and get mad with Chris graves on ocelli.com, but, I've been just trying to get my health back in order. So I've been taking uh, a break from doing a lot of those at the moment. So, but hopefully coming up soon, there'll be a whole bunch more. And I appreciate being with you too, gentlemen. Thank you. Well, thank you. Chris. Likewise. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Anderson, always great to, to have you here. Thank you for your brain, sir. And uh, I'll uh, thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for all your input. And I surely appreciate it. And, uh, you made me want to go read Bert's gold page again. I hadn't done that in years. <laughs> that really struck a note with you, Tony. And it was just this, intended just, to throw you off topic. <laughs> you have you started the theme with it at the, the beginning of the show, and I use it. I'm using it all the way to close. I think it's fun. Uh this is what he we, he does this to me all the time. And even in like real life, like in the in real in like the, the room I'm speaking, and I'm like, that's good. 
It's good. Keep me on my toes. I appreciate you. I really do. Well, can I ask you one thing before we do go, uh, Mr. Anderson? Uh, you maybe you won't maybe you won't want to answer this, and I'll understand if that's the case. But will you be attending in, in New York City on September 9th for the uh, the Big Free World Conference? He's invited. Or, no. Oh, okay. I, 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 I didn't know I was invited, but um, he's invited. No, I, ha I hadn't given it much thought. I mean, I, I might uh, I have, okay. you know, the requisite PTO and everything. But you might have to wear like a Michael Myers mask, though. Just to, <laughs> no, uh, William Shatner oh, no. mask. William Shatter, Captain Kirk mask. Yeah, only but, only important people need to need disguises. Um, no, uh, <laughs> this is just always a funny meme to put up there because. Of, you know, not Mr. to put Anderson you on the spot. Mouse no, no, no. I, 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 I so it'd be nice to meet you in person, but uh, yeah, I like, absolutely. I like you to speak too, so yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I'm like the neighbor in home, like that Charlie's Angels. It was like, hey, Angels, you know, like my friend Six, he he doesn't appear on screen either. I, I, I should hire someone, Tony, to go and pretend to be me just to mess with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, Mr. Anderson, are you my friend six? I'm like, and you both could probably screw with me because I wouldn't know. I, I never I, thought you'd be 62. 62, yeah. I've got some some options there. We'll talk about it off camera. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some, some really funny, I'm some really curious. funny variations of what you should look like in real life. Um, <laughs> we, we need to um, we need to send you we need to send your avatar. And actually, just have someone hold up a uh, an iPad of you talking with that avatar. It's like that's you <laughs> you walking through the. I'm thinking he could have a Lucifer uh, mask over. Yeah, you know, there you the go. Blue, the satanic blue horse from uh, the Denver airport. Yeah. Or the mask from Scream, right? Or the, the mask from Scream. <laughs> Another Kenny Powers reference. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, folks. All right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and end the show. It's a great conversation. We'll do more of these uh, very very soon. And I've got uh, always stay tuned for the Art of Burn Radio transmission live on Fridays. You can find me on the Rockfin America Unplugged channel. On my Twitter at Tony Arterburn. Find my website website is Arterburn.news and the sponsor of the program, which is Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. It's right here. The minimum. Hey, yeah, Chris is wearing the, his Wise Wolf shirt. Uh, I don't have a minimum. Uh, you, If you need gold and silver, and if you say you can't afford it, yes, you can. $50 a month, you can get the Lone Wolf package. Uh, Wolfpack.gold. Uh, we buy your medals for you. Check it out. I've got almost 800 members all over the country that I buy their medals for them, and it keeps shows like this on the air and other shows like Tinfoil Hat and uh, Macroaggressions with Charlie Robinson and... Uh, America Unplugged and the David Knight Show. We proudly sponsor all of those programs. So anyway, we'll be back very soon, folks. In the information war, be a paratruther. See you next time.